this is going to be a little this bit is... loose and weird um, structure-wise. A bit like my bowels. Um, Ew. <laughs> this is the pre-birth. Pre, pre-birth, isn't it? Pre, pre-come bit. Is this supposed to be out. a respect, respectable podcast? This is a new podcast, isn't it? It's not supposed to be respectable. I mean, we should be at least moderately respectful, except to the fucking Dutch, because they did some fucked up shit. Mm. Excuse me. Oh, just sucking on good old Stella. Oh. So, yes, um, should we make mention of the fact that those of you who are out there um, slumming it with the audio version of the podcast are missing out on some mappage? Yeah, at some point in the episode, I, I don't know when. Uh, I thought the, it was this bit. I thought we were going to bang it on this bit. We're kind of planning this as we as we go along, aren't we? As we well, we we, we don't know what it's going to be. Should we put a I'm map? Quite excited. Of, I mean, it it doesn't really make sense for this episode, but put a map on. Well, of, it, of what we've covered so far before we might done do. The some somebody might not know where Indonesia is. No, but we put the map at the end. After we've covered it. Okay. Yeah, okay. I suppose. So it's like yeah. slowly filling in a jigsaw. Okay. Right. Okay. Would that be before the National Anthem or after it? We should have discussed this before, really, shouldn't we? After that. After National Anthem. So, in uh, the afterbirth bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, so you're not missing anything just yet. And you would have to watch through the whole of the YouTube video to get the benefit of that particular bonus item. There we go. I'll just get to the end. But don't do that. Don't do that. No. Although that is where our promotional bit is. We're talking bollocks, aren't we? That's not like us. Yeah, we're supposed to be breaking borders, not bollocks. Um, uh, actually, I must admit, when you... Should we start the podcast or should we just have a... Well, a yeah, we should maybe um, include that in the main body of the podcast. I feel like it's going to be slightly more structured than breaking bollocks. Um. Because that's just you, you picking a random word and us talking about it, <laughs> what it means. <laughs> Whereas we have whole countries to discuss, don't we? Oh, let, 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 let's, let's leave, let's leave the, um, the content to see what it becomes and uh, start start the podcast, shall we? I'll, I'll, let's I'll just have another leave oh, the excited. content to germinate. Mm. Ah. Ooh. E. Ah. Pardon me. Uh, I I can see the snow falling. A fungus. It is snowing outside, and I can see it through the window. Well done. <clears throat> Why am I talking all posh? Is it because it's a new podcast? I feel like we have we have to start as we mean to go on, and I'm talking all posh. Maybe I want it to be on the BBC. No. No. <laughs> no. Go on then. Start the podcast. What are you doing? I was just, I, I saw that there was no audio there, but there's not supposed to be, is there? On the laptop channel, no. Yeah, okay. Well, spoiler, spoiler, you might be getting some some audio content. Mm. <laughs> other like it's other than that. <sighs> anyway, shall we begin? Yes. I've got to think of an intro. Whenever you're ready. <laughs>
I can hear the cogs whirring. I don't remember if I did that the other day. You should you should learn how to introduce the podcast in the language of the country that we're discussing. Uh, I can look it oh, up. Oh, Jesus, I wasn't serious, but... How... Yeah, but you don't know how it necessarily is going to sound. It's all very well put in translate into Google, but it's not, is it going to yeah, read it to you? Smart. It's smart. It's done that. What? Why did it? Why that's spooky? Because you've been googling Indonesia, it figures it out that that's something that you might be interested in. Okay, <laughs> Google's spying on us. That's news. <laughs> Sorry, translation. Oh, <laughs> I'm guessing it's somewhat based on like a. Mixture of Dutch and um, Malay. Do you? Is uh, do are you? Are you? Yeah, that's the words I'm looking for. Go on then. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'll need to just hear how it's pronounced first. Hello, internet. Oh, this, this is going to be in the pre-bollocks. Yeah, <laughs> we're just getting organised. Internet, saya viral dan saya pengorbit. Okay, I'm not going to. I'm not going to try and do it in the in the accent because no. it would be rude. <laughs> Hello, internet. Am I allowed to interrupt you on this one? <laughs> I couldn't resist. Please interrupt. Uh, please carry on. Sorry. Hello, Internet. Saya Firebot. <laughs> Dan Saya Pengorbit. <laughs> or in other words, hello, Internet. I am Firebolt. And, and I am yeah. the Orbiter. Uh, that's in Indonesian because this is a brand new podcast and we're kind of not sure how this is going to work yet. It's Welcome still sparkling. To- we just got it out of the box. Welcome to... Breaking Borders, a slight, a, a, apparently a slightly fancier, more informative thing. But I'm we'll actually, see, see when you when you put forth this idea about starting a new podcast called Breaking it was Borders, fucking stupid. No, I didn't think it was stupid. I just thought it would be um, too much like hard work. But actually, I'm really excited about it now because I've done my little bit on the music and uh, and uh, I'm, I'm, I know how to entice you. <laughs> I uh, I kind of I, I I the other thing as well I don't know if this was your intention but I think it's a very relevant um thing to kind of um address the whole idea of breaking borders because there's far too much nationalism going on mm. and we can just like I think understanding each other's cultures and different countries and how they do things is is a very important part of yeah. tackling xenophobia. I will preface though this is um <laughs> Most of my research was done on Britannica, the online encyclopedia that's kind of like fancier Wikipedia. Um, People used to spend hundreds of pounds on Encyclopedia Britannica, like the set of encyclopedias. You used to get travelling salesmen come around to your house and you would buy like 
the whole set of Encyclopedia Britannica, which was out of date before you even got it. So the information I may have gathered might be biased by Encyclopedia Britannica somewhat, as it has they have their own perspective. And uh, I might be somewhat biased, and it might not be entirely accurate, but I'll do my best to... Basically, if you're Indonesian and listening to this for whatever reason, please don't be mad if I get some things wrong. And do you know what my um, generation used to do with Encyclopedia Britannica? Uh, Chuck them on fires? No, no. Look up human anatomy. (laughs) Because that was our only reference point. (laughs) The only pictorial source that we had <laughs> interesting well, actually from what I remember as well there was a in our one in our school library there was like a a, a few pages that that were made of like clear um, perspex kind of stuff so that you could um, like if you had them all in front of you you would see like the human body in all its full naked glory and then you would take this top sheet away and it would show you the top level of organs underneath and then you would take the lungs off then you could take the ribs off and it would just take you yeah. through the different- uh, should i introduce the format of the podcast <sighs> yeah. since it is the first episode it's still gonna have plenty of bollocks in it isn't it uh basically basically uh i've written a a bunch of notes probably too many notes so i'll try and summarize them on the history of Indonesia I've split up into three sections. That's this episode's country. Yeah. It's gonna be a different it's not gonna be Indonesia every week, is it? No, that that would get a bit boring after a while. In fact it's not even gonna be Indonesia every fortnight because it's gonna be breaking bollocks in the in between episodes and these are only every four weeks. Yeah. Um <laughs> but words um yeah i've split up into three sections which is the early history can i just ask before we get into any of anything what what how did you choose which countries to do and and how did we settle on indonesia for the first episode uh i randomized a bunch of countries uh i, I all of them or well, I, I, I just like got a country randomizer. I picked some ones that I thought might be an interesting first episode. Right, okay. Uh, so Tried to get them from different places, and then you presented five to you, and then you were just like, just do them in alphabetical so order. So just as an idea, going forward, um, are all the countries in this randomizer that you've got, like, that we can choose from? And would that be a good way to finish the episode, would be to do a random choice for the next episode? Uh, no, because I've already decided what the next episode is. Um, okay, but in future we might be able to, perhaps. It's mainly because there are some very small places and territories that... But they'd, they'd be, they'd be, could be potentially some of the most interesting ones. Because you're kind of they going might into micro be, but there might be no... Like, th- there might be so little information on them, like... Uh, just as a test run for one of the smaller countries I know of, I looked up like uh, music in Nauru, which is like a Melanesian Polynesian country. Um, Nauru. 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 Okay. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and, and I just looked up bands from Nauru, and I found no information. Oh right, okay. The, okay I think so there's a page are... for the music of Nauru, but it's really limited. Yeah, so we're gonna be we're gonna be selective then, but but there's plenty to plenty somewhat to cover. selective. Um, but who knows? Maybe if we, I mean, we're only going to be covering thirteen countries a year. I don't think we're going to run out anytime soon, are we? Um, 
yeah, I guess. <laughs> Unless the planet unites under a global flag and all borders are broken down, in which case our job here is done. Yeah, some countries could actually come into existence while we're doing our podcast, mm. including, and this is a segue into our news segment. Um, yes. Scotland might be having an independence referendum. Well, oh. I think they're promising to have an independence referendum by the end of the year. Is that is that a new thing? Because I, I know it's been touted for quite a while, but is that something that has been confirmed this this week or something? Or I'm not sure. Uh, I'll look it up. I did see something about some court ruling going through. Um, but I, I didn't see what it was, and, and, I, and I think whichever way it had gone, it was going to end up in an appeal court anyway. Um, oh, court rejects it two days ago, apparently. Yeah. But it's... Um, but I think whichever way it went, it was going to end up in the court in a in a court of appeal anyway. Um, Interesting. Uh, what? Why did you um, bring that up? Did you think that it had gone? Well, oh, well, I did think that because I'd seen like some articles. I I don't know. I get half my news from Twitter. If I'm honest, oh, <laughs> and right, it's okay. like filtered through so many things. Yeah. Uh, a legal referendum will be held after the pandemic if there is a pro-independence majority following May's election. Yeah, that, that's the SNP's roadmap. Um, but, um, but I think I, polls for quite a while now have shown that there's at least a mandate for it, even if those yeah. are within the margin of error. I am taking every piece of news I see about um, Nicola Sturgeon and the SNP with a huge bucket of salt at the moment because it's ripe time for smear campaigns. Um, between now and May, the Tories are going to try to bury her, aren't they? Politically. Uh, yeah, I think she's the most popular leader UK-wide. Which is going to make them really try to do something to, to kind of... I mean, that that's even among the, the English and the Welsh, I think. Like, it's not yeah, just... well, I think it's mainly like the English and the Welsh probably are less likely to have any opinion of her rather than to have a negative one. Yeah. But I don't know. But that, that I mean, it could be interesting if, while we're actually doing this, new countries come into existence as could. they or old ones possibly. or old ones die, like Myanmar. Uh, I don't think <laughs> it will. No, but it's certainly under a lot of. Um, but Myanmar, they've got their internet back now. Um, formerly called Burma, a lot of countries changed their names, as we'll see. Oh, that was what Burma was. What 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 used to be called Ceylon? I have no idea. <laughs> Possibly like Cambodia or something. How do you spell it? C E Y L O N. Because I was thinking that the other day. C E Y, not S E Y. Oh. <laughs> Sri Lanka. Ah. Okay. Ooh, it's the Democratic Socialist Republic, apparently. Interesting. Uh, yeah, well, we'll get onto that when we get onto that, won't we? If we're <laughs> yeah. going to get sidetracked into it, we've got to stay within the... Uh, we are literally breaking borders if we start talking about other countries. Well, uh, <laughs> it's all interconnected. 
and uh, well, I'll I'll get into that when we do. But um, the other part of this podcast, other than the news bit, is um, you picked out music. I have, yes, I have some music. Um, I have some news related to music, and I have some some kind of music related stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is good. This is not going to be any more professional than our other podcasts, is it? No. Well, it's not. So, but it's interesting though, because I mean, like, it's not like a vague concept that we're discussing. It's an actual culture, and it's a place where people live their whole lives, and it's a place with history that we don't really know much about. And I think learning about other cultures is is really important at the moment. Well, at any point, but even even learning about your own culture, you know, we should maybe we should maybe do. I'm always shocked. British countries at, how, at some point. Well, uh, we possibly will. Hmm. Um, I I did have the idea with this of possibly I may have mentioned this in like formulating it live, uh, of possibly inviting people that we know from certain countries. I don't know if we know anyone from Indonesia. No, I I would doubt it, and if we do, then I'm not aware of that. Because the other thing, I mean, like in general, I mean, I suppose we could put a, a an invite out on the university thing for if there are any students from Indonesia, but they may not fit our program um, kind of style. They may not. They may they may think they're coming onto a serious podcast about their country and. Be very disappointed to find that we're just a couple of sweary amateurs. Yeah, we are ignorant arseholes, um, but we we've tried to research things. Yeah, we're trying to learn. Come along on our journey with us hmm. around the world. Um, other news story is, uh, I think tomorrow actually. Um, the impeachment proceedings are actually beginning. So we'll try. Oh, yeah, the eighth. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so that'll be uh, uh, that'll be well underway by by the time this comes out on Thursday. Yeah, it, it does. Um, but yeah, yeah. Apparently, I mean, there's a few things I know about that. That basically, his own legal team <clears throat> abandoned him, so he's resulted to some interesting characters. We should say, actually, in case anyone comes to this completely and completely fresh and has not heard Breaking Bollocks um, at all, that this is not how the episode will pan out. We, we just do we do a news section at the beginning, and then we get and then we get onto the the meat and potatoes for all you non-vegan folk of our podcast. The the tofu and potatoes for those probably who are vegan. Uh, for Indonesia, um, I don't know. It wouldn't be cows. I wouldn't think. It wouldn't be pork either. I don't know. They're um they're a mainly Muslim country, aren't they? Yeah, definitely wouldn't be pork. There is Hinduism there as well. We'll get into that. Um, but we're in danger of sliding into the topic before we finish the news. Yeah. Uh, so with impeachment proceedings as well, uh, Trump refused to testify, which isn't entirely surprising because it would make him a lot easier to convict if he just lied under oath. He's apparently uh, started on another social media platform that's, I can't remember what it was called, is it Gab or something? I don't know. But it's basically, it's it's um, a lot less restrictive in terms of, it's used by a lot of far-right people. 
Um, <clears throat> and he's not banned from it. So. Oh, speaking <laughs> of far right people, um, Andrew Neil's trying to start up his own Fox News style news network in the Who's UK. He? He's the fat Scottish guy that used to be on the BBC. Is he far right? Oh, he's very far. He used to be a Tory councillor. I didn't know that. Yeah, they hide it. They try and hide that sort of stuff on the BBC, but it does make you think, hang on, who are they actually like hiring here? Like, is this balanced? He's starting what? A Fox News style? Yeah, he's calling it GB News. He's inviting like uh, a bunch of twats on Nick Ferrari, I think, Julia Hartley Brewer. Okay. That's Nigel, worth a point. Nigel Farage might be on it. Fucking hell. <laughs> Actually, I've, um, I, I used to, or until very, very recently, I used to, like, um, well, I've succeeded in not putting the news on over breakfast now. I now watch things like um, The Simpsons and Friends and um, started on Mozart of the Jungle because I got fed up with South Park and, and the, the American office was shit. So, um <clears throat> So, but rather than putting the news on after that when I'm kind of getting dressed and stuff, because it's so depressing, and before I go to bed as well when I'm getting undressed, meow, um, I uh, I've started just putting Sky Arts on. Yeah, and it's just because it's like there's stuff that I find really interesting but wouldn't deliberately watch. I learned some stuff about Lauren Bacall earlier on. I don't know who that is. <laughs> she she was an actress from the um she she was a uh, very close I think she she was involved with Humphrey Bogart but she was also in films with um I've heard the name like, um <laughs> Greta Garbo and Marilyn Monroe that sort of era. Um, All right. <clears throat> but you know what I mean it's the sort of stuff that is it's fascinating and might come up in quizzes but I would not normally go out of my way to watch and it's a lot more interesting and less depressing than the news. Yeah, it's probably a lot more factually accurate as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and then there was a, a an interview with Viola Davis on after that, which was fascinating as well. Um, anyway, sorry. Um, but, I mean, I think there's basically been a campaign to, like, boycott people that might advertise on there. Um, also, there are very strict broadcasting rules for news in the UK, uh, which is why we have th- th- this very common, like, at least attempt at balance on TV news and the tabloids are an utter shit show. Yeah. Uh, we have Ofcom here, which uh, makes it so that you have to be very careful with neutrality and stuff. And if you're not, you have to clearly present it as opinion. Yeah. Mm. Can't remember what it was, but I remember seeing something on the front page of one of the tabloids because I because I sometimes see the, like the press preview stuff, and I just thought that's that's absolutely that's actually really disgusting. Like that anyone would put something like that in print and publish it and sell it to people. It's just they no, they really know. are vermin. The tabloids, yeah, that's it, being it, kind. It's, it's a fucking nightmare. Especially when they're particularly targeted at certain people, but yeah. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, do we have much more news? Because I want to get onto Indonesia. Oh. I, I was expecting this to be sort of a not having enough time to go over things in detail sort of thing, but well, it's not not that I've got like loads to say. It's just I'm 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 
I'm enthusiastic to learn about stuff because obviously I've done my little bit on it and you've done a lot of research on Yeah, so I like to give you an we idea. We can't travel anywhere at the moment, so of the kind of preparation we've done. I have um I'll I'll look at the word count just quickly. Uh approaching 6000 words of notes. What the over 12 fuck? pages. <sighs> You're not using all of them. No, I'll I'll summarize some of them because some of them are just sort of. <laughs> I'm just reading some of it myself, and I'm just going to be taking the piss out of some things. Um. Anyway, and what have you got? Um. I've I've just done a bit of research. I done I did I did about half an hour of looking at some music and stuff earlier on, and I'll uh, my notes are in the form of a. I've got a page that I can read some stuff from. Yeah, I I finished. <laughs> I'm doing this. the music bit. Um. Nearly a week ago, and you did this er- yours earlier today. Well, Sunday's my day off. You see, yeah, I'm, I guess. I'm, I'm, and I, and I do want it to be. I don't want it to be a work thing. I do enough of that. You, yeah, you know, I, I, I do find it interesting that I, I, it's probably that I overdid it. You are obsessive. I yeah. mean, you know, let's not do a flags podcast. Although we do, we do, we will have the flag on the uh, on this episode later on for you YouTubers. Well, I will explain <laughs> the meaning behind the flag. Ooh. Anyway, if you are wanting to get on with um, the sort of segue into uh, the rest of the podcast, shall we look at some news from Indonesia? Go on then. Okay. Wow. What's okay. happening? This is an interesting one from. Uh, the sixth wow. blood red flood waters in an Indonesian village in central Java. That's presumably something to do with um, the sort of uh, what? Do you, what would you call that subheadline? The the it's not a subheadline. What do you call it? The what do they call it? Sub subheading. Are you going to read it? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> well, it, the reason why it's blood red is. It's a, not actual a, blood. A batik factory? I don't know what that is. We should maybe find out what it is. What's a batik factory? It's dye. Oh, uh, oh no, the crimson it's crimson dye, but batik textiles. It's the area south of the city of Pekalongan. I heard of that. Famed for its traditional wax and dye batik textiles. Cool. Speaking. Oh yeah, I, there's a child playing in what looks like blood here. I did read that they um, were maybe at some point going to move the capital, and I'm wondering if that's to do with what, flooding. like to the end of the country's name. Oh, sorry, <laughs> you should be. It'd be Indonesia. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me. Um. Yeah, I can't remember where they were going to move. It might have been Palembang. <laughs> Bless you. Palembang's going to come up quite a bit in the history. What was my name in in um, Indonesian? Peng Pengorbit. Pengorbit. Uh, Presumably, the Peng bit is um, Pengorbit. Is the is the the part of the orbiter? Well, it might be the er part. It might be. Uh, tigers escape and kill a zookeeper. I like this one. What? Indonesia bans forced religious attire in schools. I guess that's a good thing. Yeah. Mm. Um, 
after a Christian student was pressured to wear a Muslim headscarf in class. So, uh, yeah. Oh my God, the most important news ever. Oh my God. The mother of an iconic instant noodle flavour has died. What flavour was it? Migoreng. Migoreng. Yeah, but what is that? Let's read more because I want to know what flavour Migoreng is, what it actually tastes like. Um, A flavour development manager, Migoreng. Um... What is Migori? Fried Fried noodle flavour. Fried noodle flavour noodle. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Yeah, okay. It tastes like fat. Dragons. Of Komodo. Ah, okay. I've heard of They are fucking ferocious things. Well, see, this is um, ZooQuest team sailing to Komodo Island. Because Indonesia, is it not lots of islands? Yeah, it's an archipelago. What does archipelago mean? Uh, a look at the... I mean, it, it essentially just means, like, f- fractured collection of island, that sort of thing, but I'm not sure... See, this allows me to po- possibly um, just slip in my um, previously known, um, slightly amusing anecdote about barley. Uh, go on. Um, well, barley is one of the islands, isn't it, in... Yeah, it's uh, Indonesia, um, east of Java. Yeah, when Queen were recording their, um, I don't know which album it was, but it's on the Magic Is documentary about um, when they were in the studio recording for the kind of Magic album. Um, that apparently one day one of them came into the studio and one of the other band mem- they were supposed to be recording for the album, and one of the other band members had said, um, "I won't be in today because I've I've gone on holiday to Bali." And they had to abandon recording for a fortnight, and because then apparently the response to that was, "Well, if that fucker's going to Bali, I'm off skiing," and 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 it and they had to come back to it later. But yeah, that was my slightly amusing anecdote about Bali. Oh, and there's a there's a reference to it, and on um, the 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 song on the miracle, Um, was it all worth it? The song on the miracle album. they sing, we went to Bali, saw God and Dali. <laughs> okay. So mystic, um, it surrealistic. Comes, archipelago comes from the ancient Greek, um, archi, uh, meaning chief, where you get like monarch. I thought you were going to say cheese then. Where you get like uh, monarch and oligarch from. Oh. I guess. And uh, pelagos meaning sea, which makes sense because like pelagic fish. I wonder if that's got any relationship relationship to the uh, or, or in its etymology to the to the word arch because you've got like a sort of an arch nemesis or a yeah it'll mean chief mm. so like archbishop means chief bishop mm. cool intriguing we're learning stuff about Greek not Indonesian but <laughs> linguistic stuff yeah well. well that'll come up a fair amount I imagine um. Not to be confused with arpeggio or acapella. Why would you, why would you confuse archipelago with arpeggio or acapella? I mean, arpeggio, I can kind of see. Uh, acapella, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose there's there's pella in it. Yeah. But anyway, um. So uh, next, 
Uh, should we? I mean, we're half an hour in because I was thinking about um, Ooh, having having some. I, I sorry, saw this sorry, one. Sorry, uh, an influencer. I think they're possibly American originally. Was apparently illegally living in Bali, and um, I think she made some post about getting to know other cultures, and then the authorities found her and deported her. What, for, for wanting to get to know other cultures? Well, she was illegally there, apparently. Oh, right, okay, fair enough. Because <laughs> uh, they went by... She didn't get a visa, obviously. Oh. Um, yeah, I, I thought um, when we're going to do a bit of, on some of the music that we would maybe listen to a, a little bit of each thing and then just leave it playing in the background to give some flavour to the episode. Um, so would you would you like to do the first music thing or do you want to finish the news first there's an important bit of news that i saw a while ago while just researching this in general so this volcano well the volcano yeah um so i remember seeing that there's always volcanic eruptions but there's a lot around there isn't there yeah it's it's a lot of plates there yeah it's is it not known as the ring of fire it's part of it, but I think it's got the most active volcanoes in the world, possibly. And I'm not talking about the Johnny Cash song. Mm. Uh, or the morning after a yes, really bad here curry. it is. Possibly the world's oldest animal cave painting found in Indonesia. Um, meaning a What's... painting of an animal other than a human. Yeah. Uh, because I think they have found like handprints in caves in like Spain and France that are probably older. Right. Uh, but thought to be 45,000 years old, uh, thought to be a picture of a pig, um, a warty pig, uh-huh. I believe. Um, um, I, I remember seeing something it's from not Pumbar, is it? the QI Twitter account on this. Two handprints above the back of the pig. What's that about? Uh also appear to be facing two, two other, other pigs. pigs. Yeah, I think it was like a pig watching other pigs fighting. Mm. So it's interesting, it's like, uh, could this be like one of the early examples of like an attempt at naturalism even? If they're like painting what they've seen of... That's an interesting thing though, the thing about the handprints there. That they that the handprints on the wall, the artists would have had to place their hands on the surface before spitting pigment over it, and they hope to be able to extract DNA samples from the residual saliva. Interesting. From um, so, I wonder how well preserved that would be. I mean, they might even of, be a different species of human that long ago. Yeah, uh, I'm that, not sure though. I think most of them have probably gone extinct by then. The mm. Neanderthals and that one up in Siberia, and I don't think you'd find Neanderthals down there. So they're probably Homo sapiens, but yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, a hashtag! It's it's just looking through other things found around the world. Anyway, that was something that I found interesting. I think we'll stop with the Indonesian news for now. If also, um, I you find this interesting. Uh, Article on why monkeys, monkeys steal, steal like, loads of stuff. I saw a really horrible one uh, a while back. Yeah, where like 
kidnappers will use them to like steal children. Where is it? Is it is it Malta or Gibraltar that has lots of monkeys? Uh, I know Nan went there. Um, I would think Gibraltar then, because yeah, she brought back Rocket a hat and it's yeah. got a monkey on it. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, you've got to be really careful with your personal belongings there because the monkeys—they—they they literally they'll steal your handbag and and your purse and stuff and or any any kind of jewelry that you might have that's loose. You, they're smart buggers. Yeah. But um, anyway, I guess it makes sense why Aladdin had a monkey then. <laughs> yeah, and um, Indiana Jones. Uh, can't remember. Don't know if it was his monkey or not. Anyway, um, yeah. Do you want to do? Do you want to just do a first bit of Indonesian music? Uh, sure, if you're eager. Well, I've got six examples of Indonesian um, music, well, and do you want me to do my overview? While that's playing in the background, yeah, it can do. Um, the first one, which is probably the, is the one that I f- immediately thought of when you said about Indonesia, is um, that I've got six of the traditional forms to, to look at, and then um, I just happened to look up what's number one in the charts there as well. So we'll maybe finish off with that one. But gamelan, have you heard of gamelan music? Uh, yes, I believe my percussion teacher did a. Um, they were showing me around like the music department when I, they thought I was going to be doing... Uh, oh, have you got some gamelan bells and that there? I think they basically got them in for his composition. Well, I mean, the word comes from Javanese, which means mallet or hammer, apparently. Um, and it's you get you get orchestras of 50 to 80 people in... Um, you basically using local percussion drums and metallophones, and it's it's very unique in its sound. I shall play a little clip of some. We might get copyright strikes, but I think that's much better on YouTube these days. Yeah, it's um I mean I can turn this down if it's gonna if it's gonna um Fine. put us off. Um But one of the things that that I do remember when I was learning about uh Gamelan music when I was younger was that it uses um one of the things we get used to in Western um music is the scale that we use is is basically divided into 12 notes of what we call equal temperament they're evenly spaced but a lot of different cultures have different versions of the scale so yeah well i mean like microtonal stuff that we our ears find unusual yeah which is why i I guess like they have like very distinct sound for this sort of stuff yeah I mean, you'll get that when we come across stuff that's got, like, sitars and stuff. But I'll turn it down a little bit and leave it on in the background um, while you're talking about um, stuff. All right. So I'll do my overview. So, yes, as I said, it's an archipelago, uh, and it's on the equator, which I sort of have this uh, sort of slightly slanted view of the world um, where the equator is. 
because South America is a lot further down than I usually think it is, and Africa's a lot further up. Right, yeah. Um, just trying to think, where does the equator go through the Americas? Uh, sort of top of Brazil. Right, okay, so most of South America is below the equator, but there's a there's quite a large chunk at the top of Africa that's above the equator, isn't there? Yeah, uh, uh, I mean, I think the Sahara is sort of created by uh, a region that's at least 15 degrees uh, up in latitude yeah. um, from the tropical region. Um, but yeah, it, so being on the equator, it has a lot of rainforests is a notable thing about its climate. Um, yeah. But it's also situated between two oceans, the Pacific and Indian Ocean. So it becomes quite a crossroads, both in terms of trade and, by extension, cultures between uh, mainland Asia and sort of Oceania, Melanesia. So, heading right from Indonesia, or east from Indonesia, is it pretty much um, open sea for, like, half of the planet? Pretty much. Uh, Depends which, if you mean like directly east and where from, because there's quite a lot of different islands there. You might hit the Philippines at some point. Yeah, it's just, I seem to remember. Uh, but then there's also uh, Papua New Guinea, which shares one of its, one of Indonesia's islands is like half of its Papua New Guinea. Yeah. I see, I just, I seem to remember when you see these programs. Um, Covering uh, New Year celebrations um, from all over the world, the the ones that tend to come up first are that uh, from over in that area. Can't remember where the first sort of dateline runs. It it changes depending on who they want to trade with, so that they're not um, getting the wrong work weeks mixed up. All right, okay. Uh, I think it was Kiribati fairly recently changed theirs to fit with Australia's more as they began trading. All right, okay, fair enough. Um, yeah. Interesting. There's a good Map Men video on that, by the way. <laughs> anyway. There's a good what? Map Men video on that. I like Map Men. <laughs> I bet you do. So, um, as we'll get into, it was formerly known as the Dutch East Indies until... Uh, 1945, which is when sort of Indonesia in its modern form takes shape mm. and uh, around about that period gained recognition. Yeah. Um, and as as you might notice from that date, that is very connected to World War II. I see. Uh, so it's the largest island country in the world, both in terms of area and population, and mm. covers a whole eighth of the Earth's circumference. So it, it's a very big country that we're covering here, um, as it's the fourth An most eighth popular. of the Earth's circumference. Yeah, it's very wide. Really? Yeah, that's like half of a quarter. Well, <laughs> no, I'm just fractions. thinking, like, if you if you look at a, a globe and you cut it into sort of four segments. I mean, um, I think it's sort it, of slanted, so it's not like directly east yeah, to west, yeah. but it is still, yeah, an eight. Well, yeah, I suppose a circumference is a circumference in any direction, though, isn't it? It's kind of. 
Yeah. Yeah. But although the earth's slightly squished, but anyway. No. Uh, Sorry about that. Fourth most populous country in the world, as said, and the second most linguistically diverse. Populous meaning, does that mean um, population density, is it? Uh, No, just population numbers. Uh, There are far more dense places, because a lot of Indonesia, I think, is rainforest. So, of all the countries in the world, it has the fourth biggest population. Yeah, so it'll go China. I had no idea Indonesia was that India, big. India. I think of it United as like States a sort of, and Indonesia. A, just like a, a, a sort and of I think chain. Brazil or Pakistan. I think of it as a chain of relatively small islands, but. I mean, that might be more close to like the Philippines, but even that's bigger than the UK population wise. Wow. Oh, there's we're really learning stuff here. Like, it, there's a. A circle that you can draw yeah, around sort I'll of Southeast that. Asia. Population, 267 million. What, what are we? We're about, what, 70? 65, 66 million. Yeah. Um, there's a circle you can draw around about that area, sort of with China uh, covering some parts of India, yeah, Bangladesh, that sort of area, and it encompasses half the world's population. Wow. Wow. Ah. Um, Interesting. I mean, I, I kind of, I, I kind of expect that of of like China, um, because I know that China has a huge population, but it's quite a large area, isn't it, China? So yeah, there's huge parts to the west that there's fuck all in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or at least that's what the Chinese government wants you to believe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, carry on. Uh, there are Uyghurs there, and um, well, there were, but yeah, there's concentration camps there, so. <laughs> We'll get to that when we get to that. <laughs> um, yeah, second most linguistically diverse. The first most linguistically diverse is Papua New Guinea, which is like directly bordering it. So it, it's a very, like, there's a lot of different cultures and languages just mixed in here that have basically all just been lumped together by colonialism. <laughs> ah, interesting. Um, and Indonesian as a language is sort of a... Uh, I think it's called a Creole of all yeah. these different languages. I've seen that they speak like uh, very similar to Malay, don't they? Yeah, it's based on Malay, but it's very wow, complicated how languages. That's a but... huge um, Islam percentage for the religion. Yeah, which I I didn't expect looking at the history um, because they sort of have soft power. In well, doing that, see but... this this. Um, struck me actually when I was looking at the music side of it that a lot of the traditional stuff has a real kind of Middle Eastern Arabian kind of feel to it and I I tend to think of Indonesia as more sort of Far East but well it's because of where it's situated like right in the passage between the Far East and um, the like West Asian world it sort of has this interesting melding of Indian, Arabian, and Chinese cultures, yeah, along with indigenous yeah. ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah, um, that's cool. Yeah. So, economic and cultural crossroads. And- I lo- Sorry, I'm just reading your notes here, and I, I love the the uh, name of the ruling party. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. So it, it, a lot of uh, why the Dutch wanted 
them was kind of to do with their spice islands. The Dutch wanted them. Well, yeah, Dutch corporations that were essentially just benefiting the Dutch government. They were known as the Dutch East Indies. Did you already say that? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so situated between four different tectonic plates. We're not the only colonialists then. (laughs) No, all of Europe's pretty bad for this, apart from weirdly Russia, but that's because they had their own problems. (laughs) Yeah, but only only part of Russia's really in Europe, isn't it? They they had more like land colonialism. Yeah. Um, We went abroad because that's what the Brits do, apparently. (laughs) The Netherlands did that, the Belgians did that, the French did that, the Portuguese did that, the Spanish did that. (laughs) I feel like there was some. We didn't want uh, the Germans to do that. I mean, at the time that all this was going on, it would have been the ruling monarchs of the different countries that were possibly just competing against each other. It was all all just family um, rivalry, really, wasn't it? At some point, (laughs) although I think um, in the later parts of Dutch rule, they were mostly parliamentary. Even if they do still have a monarchy, in a similar way to like we have a monarchy, but she doesn't really have any power. Okay, carry on with your history lesson, uh, history cultural cultural lesson thing. Yeah, and then I've just got some general facts and stuff. So, largest city and capital is Jakarta. It's got ten point seven million people. I think that's roughly a similar size to London. That's a lot. Uh, that used to be called Batavia, which we'll get into. Um, like said, two hundred sixty-seven million population, a GDP of three point three trillion, seventh in the world. Uh, meaning Indonesia could actually edge us out of the yeah, global economy know, at some point soon. The, this is this is going to blow my mind. This series because, uh, and it's probably uh, quite revealing of my own ignorance. Um, but I would imagine it's it's quite widely shared that. And, and it always surprises me when I when I see pictures from other countries of their like big cities and that. It always surprises me the scale that some of these places are on. Um, and you sort of think, wow, that that looks far more. Um, yeah, London's quite unusual for a European city, and that is very tall. What what is European cities don't tend to be that tall. They tend to be like that sort of traditionalist. Well, London's style. not particularly when you compare it to places like New York and and um, yeah. I I don't know whether Jakarta's like that, but I, I have this mistaken so. assumption that we are along with America, um, you know, some of the most sort of developed countries in the world, and we maybe are, but it's it's. It's not that places like Indonesia aren't just as developed. Do you know what I mean? I think it's considered a developing economy. A developing economy, but you look at the pictures of like Jakarta like, and you think, well, that that looks pretty developed to me. <laughs> it, it's kind of to do with like, I guess, how stuff looks outside the city as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, because there'll be a lot of rural areas that have a lot less connection i wonder how the balance because obviously, yeah that is massive uh, I'm, I'm thinking in terms of um how our um cities and general broad culture compare um and and the time that they would have developed because you saying that it's a developing country but you look at jakarta and you see a really developed city 
but mm. the difference between that and the 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 kind of rural areas, well, like China's considered a developing economy as well. Yeah, but the, but the difference between the sort of inner cities and the rural areas is going to be a far bigger contrast than it is in some of the first developing countries like ours and you know some of the European countries, where because I think other countries will have um, had contact with the capitals in these less developed countries um, before the rural areas have had a chance to develop. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. we'd have been doing trade with Indonesia or other places would have been doing trade with Indonesia through the capital right? before the country itself had actually developed. So the capital developed a lot quicker than our capitals did. Well, I mean, that that's largely how, I think, other than, like the food resources nearby sort of actually become bigger. It's just by how easy it is to really trade with it. It's like London's fairly near the coast. It's got the Thames running for it. Yeah. You can trade with it fairly easily. I wonder how much of what we're talking about is absolute bollocks. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting just discussing it and but learning. Like is- New York's fairly easy to trade with. Los Angeles fairly easy to trade with. Yeah. San Francisco, uh, all all these places that like th- the main reason these cities sprout up in the modern age is mm. because trade, which we'll get in Indonesia trade is very important too, but it'll be probably quite important to a lot of the history we look at. Um, do you want to get towards the end of your general facts section and then yeah. I'll chuck another bit of music in maybe? Uh, so they use the Indonesian rupiah as a currency. Uh, the official language is Indonesian, as we said, um, but there's around 700 recognised uh, languages. That's ridiculous. Yeah. What 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 is a recognised language? I mean, how many how many recognised languages would you say the UK has? I don't actually know this, and I don't know whether you uh, do, but probably uh, English, Welsh, Cornish, uh... Scouse. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I'm not sure what's a dialect and yeah. what's language in Scotland. I know Gaelic's a uh, Gaelic. Well, uh, Gaelic, Gaelic in um, Gaelic, yeah. parts of Northern Ireland as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, well, Irish and Gaelic. Yeah. Uh, so probably about six big ones. Seven hundred languages. Um. But yeah, and those are indigenous languages, not just that there are people speaking them that were like immigrants. Yeah. Uh, largest religion at 86.7%. I think that's higher than the percentage of Christianity in America is Islam. Mm. Uh, 10% Christians, I'm guessing that's largely from its colonial periods uh, under the Dutch. And about 1.7% Hinduism. And then I imagine there's a smaller percentage of Buddhists there as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, in terms of government, it's a unitary presidential constitutional republic, which is a very technical term. But basically, politically, it's a lot like the US, although it technically, oh I think, has a parliament. Good luck with that. Um. Head of state is uh, President Yoko Widodo. <laughs> that was what I was laughing at earlier. But I love the name of the ruling party. Uh, yeah, it has a very long uh, ruling party, long-named ruling party at the moment. Uh, Indonesian Democratic Party of Struggle. 
uh, which <laughs> sort of puts itself as a centre-left nationalist party, although politics, what those words mean change that's a lot a of weird, different countries. Oh, that's one of them words that just, when you repeat it to yourself, seems really weird. What? Struggle. Okay. We're going to need a toilet break halfway through, aren't we? Um, basically, one of their big ideas in terms of Indonesian nationalism is uh, Pankasila. What Pankasila like food. What Pankasila is, it, it basically just translates as five principles or five tenets. These uh, that, is this um, national philosophy. Yeah, these are roughly translated as belief in the one and only God, which a, in this case is Allah. Really weird concept of a national philosophy. Can you imagine trying to claim that there was a national philosophy here? I mean, it, it, it it's sort of part of their uh, nationalist movement yeah. um, moving out of the colonial period. Uh, just and civilized humanity. I like that one. The unity of Indonesia. Democracy guided by the inner wisdom and the unanimity arising out of deliberations among representatives, essentially just democracy, democracy based <laughs> on debate. And well, it uh, seems- social justice for the whole of the people of Indonesia. I mean, aside from the belief in the one and only God, I think I agree with most of that. I'm ashamed to... Um- admit that I'm pleasantly surprised at that set of philosophical pr- national philosophy from mind, a country though. that is so high percentage Islam. And the reason I'm ashamed is because I think there there would be an assumption that there wouldn't be... that I, I don't know. I, it's my westernised Christian well, kind of society... Like in when the UK, um, the Tories claim to want to respect the dignity and equality of all, that doesn't always happen in practice. Yeah, yeah. Um, They'll sort of use that as nationalist imagery, I'd guess. Um, Especially with how they treat some other countries that have since arose um, Yeah. From around them, which we'll get into in the modern period. Anyway, last bit of general facts is about the flag. flag. Yeah. So it's red on top and white on the bottom, which is almost the exact same as Monaco. Is that literally it? Just a red and white stripe? Yeah. Well, it, I imagine it's a very old flag. Um, right. Because it's the naval jack of the Majapahit Empire, which was way back in like the 1300s, thereabouts. Okay. Um, there's various ideas on what this could mean um but the one used by the, the sort of forefather of um indonesia in the modern age sukarno is that red means courage and white means purity i see um but an, another idea it's is not for blood and cocaine then well, another idea is that red is the body, so I guess blood in that case, and white is the soul, so I guess cocaine. <laughs> okay. Um, do you fancy a toilet break? Sure, and then uh, you can play your second piece. Okay. You. This is... Do you want to introduce it? It's, yes, it is called Tembang Sunda. Um, 
Now, a lot of the different styles of music that you get sort of through Indonesian culture are kind of quite well related. I said about gamelan before. Um, the Indonesian government was proposing to make gamelan a UNESCO cultural heritage. Um, there's a, a village, Wirun village in central Java that's famous. Um, Can I ask what year this gamelan was? Gamelan for generations. Well, this one, Tembang Sunda, is... Um, it's a type of sung poetry. It's popular in Western Java, um, evolved in the mid-19th century, and has always had much support from the rich courtly class. It's namely its vocal and instrumental. Um, usually a solo vocalist accompanied by indigenous music instruments, um, which are used, such as rebab suling and kakapi indung. Um, it was initially performed at private events like receptions, but has recently started being performed at public concerts as well. So it's popularly practiced in Western Java. Interesting. It does sound quite modern, doesn't it? Yeah, well... Uh, I mean... I, I did think it would have been originally like a sort of uh, pop song from like the 70s or something, but... I mean, maybe this is a, a derivation of it. I don't know. It might um, be. It's it's all in uh, it's all in different. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, this is from Pop Sunda to uh-huh. Bake, so it's a, like a, kind of a okay a pop kind of a modernised version of Tembang Sunda. All right. Oh, just leave that on in the background, will we? Okay. So the first section of the history that I've got here is. Um, of pre-colonial history and this covers colonial being Dutch colonizers actually uh, pre-portuguese colonizers um, because uh, aside from um, trying to run indigenous people out of their homes they were also trying to compete with one another for various places oh okay um, but we'll get to that when we get to so it's like a literal capture the flag kind of thing uh, more capture the spices. Yeah. And plant your flag. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, we'll probably stop around the year 1000 to play another song, if you fancy that. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Uh, but this will cover it from the 1st century to 1511. Uh, that's quite a long time. There's not a lot of information early on. Yeah. Uh but we have some early things about them trading in the early centuries, AD or CE, depends what you use. Uh, but they may as well gone to other parts of Asia before. One interesting thing, though, is uh, records of history made by a Roman historian, uh, Pliny the Elder. I've heard of him. Yeah, mm. he's quite famous. Uh, <laughs> That's probably why, then. Suggests that they... Uh, had already sailed to the East African coast in the uh, first century CE and possibly settled uh, Madagascar at that point. See, that, they've ruined Madagascar for me. I can't see that country's name without seeing a cartoon giraffe in my head. <laughs> but it, interestingly, um, Madagascar, um, at least for a while, is probably more culturally Malay than African. Interesting. Despite its geographic position, so they say where vanilla comes uh, from. Yeah, it's where a lot of the world's vanilla comes from. Mm. 
That's interesting. Madagascar sailed across the Indian whole Ocean. Indian Ocean in the first century. That's really quite a big deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like they had um, speedboats or anything. No, but I mean, they might not have gone over open ocean, but it, it's still a big thing that this. And they weren't united at this point. These were just a collection of different islands. Just thinking about the te- technological level of um, humans around the last sort of 2,000 years, they did a lot of quite dangerous exploration, didn't they, human beings? Mm. Like, I mean, it's the sort of thing where you'd, you'd literally be thinking now about just like heading off into the solar system. But then I suppose at least now we have some idea of what's out there from, from the technology that we have. Well, it's just they, they literally did not know. They, they would sail off into the ocean they, and they not would know had, um, if they were ever going to see like, any other land. Um, Ptolemy, who's an Egyptian slash Roman geographer because Rome owned Egypt at the point, um, in the second century, he basically made a map of the world. It didn't include the Americas, but it was surprisingly accurate for the time. Yeah. Because just a, a bunch of complicated maths and readings to do with the sun and you can apparently get a pretty good measurement of that sort of stuff. Well, it's weird because when you sort of think to yourself about that famous photograph of the, uh, you know, of, of the um, of the planet Earth from our sort of early space exploration and you think uh, for, for the vast majority of, of our sort of exploratory past we, we did not know what the planet looked like from from the outside, if you like. Now let, let's not have adverts in the background. <laughs> shut up! Shut! Go away! Go away! Well, oh, unless right we're getting a sponsorship. Skip ads. There we go. All right. Sorry, carry on. You're playing the whole thing. No, I can tell. I can stop it if you want. That was fine. I just thought it in the background it was all right, but it just ads came up. Right. So carry on. Uh, uh, yes. yes, so he mentions uh, Ptolemy. Uh, some things that might have referred to Java and uh, uh, to M- Malayu, which is like kind of the general term for the culture around that area in uh, Sumatra. That made me um, think, because Java it, it is Javanese coffee is quite famous, but I was just thinking uh, we, we drink, because we get the Nespresso capsules, don't we? We, we get Indonesian coffee. But that's only after the colonists come over because coffee doesn't nat- didn't naturally grow there, I don't think. All right, okay. Um, they basically just imported what was popular to Europeans at the time and started growing it there. Cool. Uh, which is also why tea's quite a big thing there. So, who lived there before the colonists came? Um, well, various islanders. Um, but... They weren't really united. There were a bunch of different disparate kingdoms. However, we start to get some more information when mm-hmm. China starts trading with them more regularly. China! Um, when they start taking like longer voyages because Chinese technology is advancing. And also mm-hmm. they start writing, which is quite useful. Um, so there's various uh, estuary kingdoms that begin to pop up, particularly around Palembang, as I said. It says city here, but to be honest, it probably isn't that big. Uh, that's around about the 7th century. Also, um, China in the 5th and 6th century mentions um, 
something about Persian resins. Oh, okay. Uh, which suggests like they were taking stuff from Persia in West Asia and Persia what? becoming like a trade hub. It's all of these names that we know Persia of, of China. like historical names of countries. Per- what was what was Persia? Around about Iran. Right. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I know I've heard of Persian rugs as being quite uh, high quality. Right. But I'm sure we'll get onto that. Um, when we get there. Although I think some of those, um, given like the trees that they had there, would have been uh, native Indonesian resins. They might have just referred to them as Persian. I'm not sure. Um, and could- why not? Have you not done your research in depth? I just read Britannica, mate. <laughs> it was, a, it was a, it's a long article, <laughs> and this is just a history part. Ooh, Borneo. So, Sorry, for quite some time it was just they communicated with one another, various different peoples, but they didn't really form any sort of big kingdoms because for a long time they had fairly equal resources, and when that happens in a place. No one really becomes dominant. It's interesting. Um, I mean, ba- boundaries, countries, countries' borders are kind of defined geopolitically, aren't they? Um, mm. I wonder at what point this collection of islands became known as Indonesia. Quite a bit later. Yeah. So um, at, th- at this point, were they just kind of islands that had different tribes on them? I think uh, from um, what some cursory research I did. I didn't note this down but I think it was a German uh, geographer that came up with that idea in the mid-19th century Right. with the term Indos meaning Indian and Nisia meaning islands. Oh right, okay, yep. And um, We just keep getting adverts coming up. Let's just stop the music. (laughs) There's going to be ads in between everything so yep, carry on. Okay. Um yeah, and then it sort of forms under Dutch rule. Right. Uh, we'll get to that patience. Uh, right. And this is why it's quite linguistically and culturally diverse, because it's not really any... It's a, there's a bunch of stuff here about how religion started to spread here. So, first of all, Hinduism Started to spread there, so they wouldn't have had any of their own, perhaps? There were indigenous belief systems um, largely based on um, local geography like holy mountains and stuff. Right. Which I actually, suppose it would make sense if you're seeing volcanoes exploding. They, they, they could be angry gods, wouldn't they? Yeah. Uh, which actually makes them very receptive to a particular type of Hinduism right? Um, called uh, Shaivism, I think. I've heard of that. Um, basically, I think... I, is Shiva not a god? Yeah, yeah it's um, the part of Hinduism that specifically worships sh- Shiva. Yeah. Who is, I believe, a mountain god. Ah. So, cool. um, Brahmins apparently went over yeah, heard of that. and yeah. began teaching them. Cool. This uh, is making me think of uh, Moana. Um, where is Moana set? Uh, Polynesia. Which is in the middle of the Pacific, right? Okay, it's yeah, set in Hawaiian, like Tahiti near yeah. Hawaii, so quite a bit of distance. No, it was the thing about the sort of mountain gods and volcanoes and stuff. It was the there was a short, I think, before that. What is it called? Um, 
which has a couple of volcanoes I love singing you. to each lava. Yeah, I think it's called lava. Yeah, that's the song. There's a couple of volcanoes that fall in love, and <laughs> but I mean, it seems silly to about cartoons, fetish. but, it's, but it, it, it is a kind of a metaphorical representation of the kinds of god stories that they might have had in primitive cultures. You know, the kind of mythical kind of god figures, if you like, the stories they would tell about them and stuff. Um, also, some Sanskrit inscriptions, which I believe means it's, I think Sanskrit's That's Indian, an yeah. Indian ancient language. They've got loads of words for love in Sanskrit, apparently. Um, well, I imagine that's where the Kama Sutra possibly comes in. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I think that was written some centuries previous to this. Anyway, uh, it's a, they found some inscriptions that suggested that this wasn't just about trade as well. Right. They were quite respected in Indonesian culture early on. I see. And perhaps they even went to war a couple of times to become more influential. Amazing. Anyway. Uh, meditation. I like meditation. I do a bit of that now. Yeah, so they, they sort of began influencing through local politics, that sort of thing. Um, and then we get about a Chinese pilgrim who uh, wrote about Palembang saying hey, this would be a great place to put a Buddhist temple here. All right, okay. Or like some sort of hub for Buddhism in that area. Um, and that's how Buddhism sort of comes together. And these sort of meld together because they're not entirely against one another, Buddhism and Hinduism. Right, yeah. And yeah. these meld together with um, indigenous uh, religions into... Uh, I think it, they call it Shaivit uh, Mahayana or something. Okay. We'll see it. Yeah. It, it'll come up. Um, I, d I do, I do um, respect the Far Eastern religions, I think, uh, more than the Western ones. To be honest, I, I, I'm i fine with any religion as long as it's not Abrahamic because they're just boring. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Buddhism especially. Um, I think Hinduism is probably my second favourite <laughs> religion. Be but. aware though, they are Buddhism to a somewhat lesser extent, but it is still used um to basically justify persecution of other religions. Well, it, I suppose there's going to be different forms, isn't there? I mean, Zen Buddhism Buddhism doesn't really have a a, uh, a deity, does it? As well, the, the Buddha is just sort of an enlightened teacher. Yeah. But anyway, do carry um, on because we won't get through this otherwise. Yeah, so uh, from Palembang, uh, a... Kingdom starts rising up called uh, Srivijaya Palembang. Mm. Uh, this is just sort of a trading uh, we should, place. We should visit all of these countries at, at some point, maybe. Yes. Um, and the Chinese actually used this kingdom for um, tributary trade, which is basically where you know, they they pay them to do their trading for them. 
I so think. they're like a distributor. <laughs> kind of, yeah. which kind of makes sense from their geographic position. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they started, I think, to kind of monopolize on this um, position. I can't remember where. Well, why wouldn't you? Well, yeah, there's a, not a, a lot about monopolies in this area. Uh, incidentally, just talking about um, news, um, Indonesian news, wasn't there a, a plane that went down there a few weeks ago? I remember that being in the news around about the same time as um, as that volcano blowing off. I do not know. It might have been Malaysia. Don't know. Anyway, do carry on. Um, which gets confusing because... It's often referred to as Malay here because Malaysia and Indonesia are very linked yeah. in the separate countries. Um, because they're very close to one another. At least Sumatra is. Um, but this begins to decline uh, when the Chinese start doing more of their own trading. Yeah. And go directly to centers of production in Indonesia rather than using Palembang as like a trading hub. Yeah. I'm thinking the size of Indonesia is blowing my mind a little bit because I just yeah. I suppose a lot a lot of the area that it covers will be sea, won't it? Um with it being islands. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll just quickly get up a map. Um, just good idea. So we're not. It would help if I knew what we were actually looking at. Hey, 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 hey! And as we say at the end of the episode on YouTube, you will see a map of where we have visited and where we are looking at. So, uh, just to find Palembang on here. Yeah, Palembang's on southern... That's quite a big island. Sumatra. That's just Sumatra there. Uh, Nisha goes all the way over here. Right, right. Okay. Um, So, you can see So, that island that's underneath Malaysia there, is that part of Indonesia? This one? Yeah. Yeah, that's Sumatra. Right, okay. And Palembang's where Srivijaya Palembang sort of had its emperor here. Empire here, so, so China quite, was coming down. This quite a selection way. of islands there, isn't it? Yeah. Just pull back a bit. I would like to see how it compares size-wise to the UK. That main island there, and I mean, be aware. Uh, I believe this is a Mercator map yeah. projection. Uh, yeah. At the equator, this is the countries are very shrunk down. Uh, yeah, I I remember seeing um, a. Uh, a realistic landmass um, map, if you like, which showed, and it's quite shocking actually, how how huge, how incredibly vast Africa is in real life, as opposed to what you think it is on the map. I mean, it looks fairly Looking big on the map this, anyway. But you would think Greenland's about the same size as it, but it can actually fit within Democratic Republic of the Congo. Yeah, I mean, Africa's just. Fucking massive, really, isn't it? It's, uh... it so the song a bit different. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, do carry on. Um. Right. So, uh, Subijaya begins to decline when Chinese start doing more of their own trade. But we get some more about Java here, particularly Central Java, in which uh, dynasties rising up. 
And it's basically on this idea that um, the Shalendras are of Indonesian origin, and so that's a very prestigious thing. Um, even though, you know, we know that ultimately they're not, but uh, <laughs> but the m- more interesting thing about this, other than um, prestige and stuff, is the Kedu Plain, in which they construct. Um, yeah, here is Mahayana Buddhism, a temple called Borobudur, which is uh, quite a famous world monument. Have you heard of it? I haven't actually, no. Um, I'll see if we can get a picture. This won't make sense. Uh, I mean, we probably won't show it on the YouTube thing anyway, but... Nah, because that would involve work. But you can look it up. B-O-R-O. I'm aware of this because of um, Civilization. Oh, I've, I'd recognised the picture. I just didn't know what that was what it was called. Yeah, it, it's quite a famous uh, structure, I think. Yeah. And that was constructed... Um, when was it? Uh, late 8th to mid 9th century. Right, okay. And also the greatest temple... Of them all. Um, to Shiva, at least in this area. Um, although not specifically to do with that dynasty it's connected to the sort of prosperity of the time I guess Uh Uh, and these were resting places for their kings Um, and they were sort of considered gods that uh, just a tangent a little bit talking about kings um, brings up a piece of news I saw today about our own queen who um, apparently put pressure on and achieved... Uh, fiddling with your mic. Just... Oh, oh well. Go on. It, nobody would have known. Um, anyway. Um, yes, yeah, she, she put pressure on and achieved a change in the law so that her p- private wealth would be um, kept secret basically hidden from the masses what what she owns in terms of shares and companies and that that normally Seems dodgy <laughs> normally corporations so basically it, it was it's almost like the the royal equivalent of setting up a shell corporation in that her involvement in any shareholdings with corporations can be she can she can hold them anonymously and nobody needs to know basically this was in the 70s she managed to do get that through but anyway carry on okay so um after this information about the kedu plane in central java things just kind of information just sort of stops for another five centuries we don't know why this happens a lot where there's just dark periods and we're just like fuck knows what happened here um information we do have comes from eastern java um, which wasn't like a political thing. It was just a, a strange a region. It's almost like at some point somebody's deliberately wiped a load of the history out. Uh, well, at, at some point here, um, in 1016, a city is destroyed by rebellious vassals. It, it's kind of chaotic at this point here. Yeah. Ah, so it's a bit interesting. random. Calcutta inscription, yeah. which I don't think has anything to do with Calcutta because 
Calcutta, or as it's now known, Kolkata, is actually in Pakistan. But ten forty one describes the destruction of the world. Uh, it's kind of, I guess, like an epic poem or something, uh, in which a kingdom falls apart. Oh, I, I I remember liking this story. It's kind of funny. Uh, yeah, King Zair Erlanga goes to live with hermits for two years. As you do. You see, it's interesting thinking about these dates now in terms of uh, relating it to the kind of history that that we've learned about the UK. Like this is not long before um, the Norman Conquest, basically. So Erlanga, who's half Balinese, is apparently relevant. Uh, Defeats his last foe in 1035. King John was doing stuff on Runnymede and Doomsday thing he wants. Uh, But he sees that his kingdom would be thrown into chaos by his sons. And so he divides his kingdom in two. However, they still go and fight each other because... Why wouldn't you? Yeah. And um, then the southern part, Kadiri, um, managed to sort of gain control of that kingdom in the early 12th century. Anyway, I said that I was going to stop at around the year 1000 to let you play your next thing. Yeah, it's all chaos, basically. Uh, Yeah, but Dangdut. Dangdut. Dangdut is my next musical. Um, It's very popular in Indonesia, apparently. Um, It's termed as their own pop genre, and it has borrowed heavily from Hindustani and Arabic. Arabic music. Um, it's said to be the uh, the roots are said to be in Arabic kasida, um, and is also inspired by Western rock and Malaysian film music. And here is an example. I can see the film music there. Yeah. It's a bit like Dire Straits. As yeah, (laughs) imagine this as scoring the Calcutta inscription. (laughs) See, listening to this kind of stuff, I mean, it gives you a flavour of the country's culture, but it also makes me want to go on holiday. You can imagine sitting in a in a hotel bar listening to the whoever it is with their Casio keyboard. (laughs) <laughs> while you're drinking Indonesian beer, which originally we were uh, we were thinking about trying to get beer from the countries that we're talking about, but um, the local co-op's not that diverse, so um, I'll just leave that on and hope that no adverts come on while you talk about some more history. Yeah, I'm sorry if I'm going into a bit too much detail. Um, I don't want this to just be a history lecture. Yeah, you might you might want to just summarise some stuff. I mean, a lot of this can be down to there's a lot of chaos going on for a few centuries, really, isn't there? Uh, pick out some interesting kind of humorous things interesting thing this will come up again later there's this epic poem um, from 1365 uh, written by I'll get to it Uh, but basically this story of um, this king uh, or this half Balinese prince's kingdom falling apart because of his son's fighting Mm. Uh, it's all in this epic poem uh, called uh, Nagera Kurtigama. I'm digging this music. So I guess it's like 
uh, Indonesian Canterbury Tales. Right. In terms of sort of time period. I should I should have said sorry. This this music is primarily um, popular popularly practiced in Jakarta in the capital. So so carry on. Epic poems, Canterbury Tales. Uh, so chain of command uh, begins me. to come up a bit more. Uh, We've got half an hour left. This, no, we don't. Three uh, V Jaya Palembang just sort of starts to decline uh, because it, its main sort of economy was just based on China trading with it specifically. So it's just uh, I don't want to be a pain, but because you're on page three of twelve, we could be here for six hours. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, gradually, though, as this starts to decline. Um, there's a power vacuum in Sumatra which uh, Javanese kings are eager to get in on uh, oh this is interesting um, they actually part of what they theorised that they wanted to do this in Sumatra is actually to defend from Kublai Khan oh I like him well I don't like him because but... the Mongols had recently invaded China no, we, we started watching a series on Netflix, Marco Polo, but it got cancelled. It was really good, though. Cooper Khan was the main character, one of the main characters in that. Um, right. Yeah, there was the, Mongol, the Mongols and the Chinese were, were at, at loggerheads with each other, weren't they? Um, well, yeah, basically, Cooper Khan um, following in the steps of um, Genghis Khan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Conquers China. Uh and Kin Kurta Nagera wants to stand against this. Right. So, there's a bunch of stuff here about what his supporters saw him as. Um, but basically, um, he mistreated an envoy at that, some point. That, that sounds ominous. <laughs> yeah, he mistreated an envoy who demanded his submission, which I guess is like a diplomatic formality. Mistreated? You don't have any further details on that? Or did he kind of? Um, well, I'm know, guessing throw hedgehogs at him. Sort or? of rude. Uh, he, he might have killed him. I mean, at this stage, like, you might have just fucking executed him. Might have done, yeah. Uh, that's 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 quite a, a severe form of mistreatment, execution. Um, yeah. So sends a punitive expedition, which is quite common. Um, but <laughs> it's an interesting turn. Uh, a rebel from that southern. Uh, kingdom thing uh, kills the king and then just basically confuses the Mongols into giving up as you do which is interesting so uh, Jaya <laughs> Catwing overthrows the king and then his son-in-law takes over and uh, his son-in-law's uh, Kurtara Jasa uh-huh. He moves this to Majapahit, which is the big part of Indonesian history. This is all going in one ear and out the other. It's, it's interesting to listen to. It's just. But, <laughs> and this is one of the few Indonesian history figures I've actually heard of. Um, he Intrigued. begins to establish authority. Who's this? With the help of Gajamada. Have you heard of Gajamada? Yeah. In the, I, I haven't, actually. In the 1300s. Um, who's some renowned I've heard of Mad Ganja. He's, this is because he's leader of Indonesia in Civ 5, essentially. 
Ah, right. That's how you've heard of him. Yeah. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> actually, they had a queen, which I was a bit surprised by. Uh, Kotara Jasa's daughter. Uh, and uh, Java begins to get a bit more power in Bali, Sumatra, Borneo. You know, we're beginning to get some bits of unity here. And yeah. then begins the golden age of Indonesian history of um, after 1350, Gayam Wuruk comes into the power. Right. I'm just... Uh, I'm wondering... Uh, obviously, this is our... This is an experimental episode, like the first time that we've kind of done this. Have we... Is it practical for us to do justice to a country's history in one episode? I did think this about some places, particularly China, India... Because this this is fascinating, uh, but I just feel like I feel like the amount of work you put into it and and the amount that we could get out of it, I I think I feel like we would be rushing through a lot of it if we didn't make a part two. Perhaps mm. we'll see. Um, uh, so ah, so the epic poem written by a poet Propantia venerates this guy um, he does a bunch of territorial expansion, economic expansion basically this is where Indonesia shines under Majapahit and that's why they use that flag because they really like this period of history the nationalists it's right. um, fascinating, I'm just trying to and they get very wealthy off of spices that they get in this I'm trying to imagine, because I, I want to I want to um, Part, part of the reason that I say about potentially doing a part two is because I, I want to get a real flavour of the culture and to really... One of the things that we do, I think, um, or the, the part of the value of what we, what, we, what we get out of doing these podcasts is really thinking about stuff. Um, and I don't want to rush through it, do you know what I mean? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, this is the third sort of bit of music that I've kind of introduced in it you know unless we were going to keep going for like three or four hours we're not going to get through everything like i just i feel like we should do a part two because i think it's interesting and and i'm just trying to get a flavor of how it feels looking but we 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 get a kind of flavor of history from what we're taught um and what you will have been taught about history in school will be quite different from what i was taught because i was taught in an english school um, and you taught in a Scottish school but I'm trying to imagine how it feels to have this stuff that you're talking about now as your cultural history and that to be well, I how it there feels was quite to a be period Indonesian. of Indonesian history where basically they were taught colonial versions of their history right okay because I think that I think that kind of cuts to the essence of what we're talking about when when we, that whole concept of breaking borders of understanding different cultures is to try and put yourself in into someone else's shoes and that has a completely different cultural heritage to you and try to think about how it feels to be Indonesian mm. Do you know what I mean to try to uh, there's no way that we can fully achieve that and it, and it would be a similar kind of thing in any different culture but just just to try to think about it and to try to imagine it i think is i think people people would benefit from that a lot 
is mm. just trying to see things from different cultures points of view and well we can see how far we get um, by the time you're feeling like you're getting tired well I think we should I think we should maybe aim at two hours because that's kind of okay. what we what we've well yeah we'll see uh, it's not just a case of whether or not I'm tired obviously we've got we've got uni in the morning and stuff but it's also what's practical to put out as an episode and what people will Okay. Tolerate. Right. <laughs> Can I continue? Yeah, yeah, go on. Go on. <laughs> so, um, well, basically, he became very powerful, got a bunch of vassals, even managed to convince. I'm, th- I'm sure you said he got a bunch of vassals. Vassals. Which are essentially <laughs> like. You know, it's not part of you, but like. You essentially own them. Right. So they're kind of. Almost kind of think slave of slave servant kind of representatives kind of kind of think of it like um their guy and works bitch <laughs> yeah they're they're there for your usage <laughs> yeah you can do what you want with them really. it's a, it's a very common thing like feudal societies i guess yeah um yeah so he manages to convince the ming dynasty that malayu which is like the sumatra oh, i'm part, suddenly thinking flash gordon now but isn't on. even an independent country <laughs> Gordon's alive! Um, but he dies in 1389. And uh, Sumatra's kind of using this as an op- uh, opportunity to get back at them <laughs> by trading with the Ming Dynasty. Anyway. Have you ever heard of the Clangers? Yes. Sorry, go <laughs> Right. Here comes where the Muslims come in. Oh. Careful what I say now. Um, so they've been trading uh, for a while now, since the 11th century, and um, but they start to pick up a bit in the 13th century. Um, as have they been colonised by anyone yet? Not really. Um, they've just been kind of. It's a bunch of people have been trading. Yeah, they've been using them as distributors kind of and kind of culturally yeah. colonising in a way. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But not. That's not, a two-way thing. Yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, a king's um, tomb was inscribed entirely in Arabic, suggests right. that this one in particular was uh, Muslim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. Uh, a sort of uh, city. Hang on. We should we should look at the food. Food. Yeah. I think you know, the, the way the, the amount I'm getting into this, I'm thinking, why don't we do a whole podcast series on Indonesia? I'm getting really interested in Indonesia now. But yeah, that's, this is that's just good. supposed to be a flavour. Yeah, well, that's fine. We can taste it for as long as it satiates us. So. Uh, <laughs> Muslims begin to set up uh, little sort of trading centres, including uh, Samudra Pasai, which gets wealthy off of uh, like timber and gold and shit. And uh, they become harbour kingdoms. And um, these sort of stay for a while as princes that just sort of have influence in Indonesia. They never gain full control until like the modern age. But they just have a lot of influence and sort of occasionally do stuff with local politics. Is uh, is what we're doing? Is this okay? I think so. We're being respectful, aren't we? I'm just trying to imagine if you are Indonesian, how would you how would you see a couple of 
white Europeans doing a podcast on your culture and your history who know nothing of... I mean, I suppose the fact that we acknowledge that we really know, know nothing about it that much and that we could be making complete arseholes of ourselves is... Um, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, so... I, I'm, getting, I'm getting respect for your country if there's anyone Indonesian listening, which there may well be if they're doing a search on Indonesian stuff. I mean, I think different places have different ideas on that. I think there is, for good reason, definitely a very anti-Western sentiment among nationalists in Indonesia. Right. Um, so would they be against people from, from other cultures trying to find out about their culture? No, uh, but certainly against like being westernized. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I I wouldn't want to find out any of this stuff about a country in order to change their culture. Um, there, there'd be no point. But um, if we do a part two on this, uh, we might not get to it in this part. But um, there's an interesting thing about a British um, person who, at one point, ran it when the Dutch weren't having a very good time. Um, right. Who was actually very interested in Indonesian culture and seemed okay as far as they go. Like, I mean, it, it's still not great, but... Anyway, um, I'll finish off this early history bit. Okay. So, um, yeah, they emerge on Java, they emerge on Sumatra, these... Uh, Muslim harbour kingdoms and begin to sort of set up a network with uh, the Muslim world as the Ottoman Empire is beginning to grow. That's centred on Turkey, is it? Ottoman Empire, Turkey, Greece, kind of? Yeah, thereabouts. It, it, it was quite big at one point. Um, it was actually quite big until like World War One, actually. Yeah. Mm. Um. And uh, instead of just outright converting them, they wanted to sort of use the local religion. And so the more Islamic parts, I guess, or similar to Islam parts of existing Hindu and Buddhist culture, they wanted to be more prominent. Right. Um, And... uh, Asa, which is a kingdom. I thought it was a person at first. Um, Sounds like the. Uh, I mean, it's not. It's not spelled the same, but it's very similar to the computer brand. <laughs> yeah, that becomes uh, Sumatra's leading harbor kingdom, and uh, gets declared as a Muslim state in the 16th century. Mm. And the final part, which sort of marks the beginning of the colonial period, is. Um, uh, Asa, wanting having connections with the Ottoman Empire, wanted to ally with them to stand against Portugal. Oh dear, colonialism. And Portugal uh, conquers Malacca, which I don't think is actually in Indonesia, but it's like uh, in that Malaysian peninsula that's very close to Sumatra. This um, is... in 1511. See, this is really interesting because I mean, part of me's now thinking about what I mean, I, I suppose a lot of a lot of what happens in history seems inevitable from with hindsight. But it, I wonder what would have become of Indonesia if it hadn't been colonised. 
and this whole this whole obsession with European colonialism just I wonder whether or not we've fucked the world over basically oh yeah <laughs> um, I mean I suppose there are arguments on on both sides uh, th- there are ways of I mean, stuff doesn't get quite so bad until the 19th century here. Right. Um, And I think generally with um, colonialism, it gets a lot worse in the 19th century. But it it kind of gets sold to us. Things start industrializing. In the Western nations, it gets sold to us as almost like we went and kind of saved them and developed them, as it were, and, and... They seem to have it pretty sorted before, up to this point, they seem to have had a pretty good I mean, idea y- that they knew yeah. what they were doing. <laughs> you got to hold it relative to, like, what other places were still doing at this time. It's sort of like, you know, um, 1511, this was before Mary, Queen of Scots. Yeah, yeah. We, well, that's we what still some of that people. stuff that we are talking about, this was... This was around the sort of um, when the Doomsday Book was going on here, you know, and it's like I don't know. I, I don't want. I don't want to be like sort of ultra down on on our own cultural heritage and history. It's just it's important to have perspective. Yeah, because, um, largely um, to- like racist influences on history education make it seem like weird head and shoulders above everyone else when it's like China had like gunpowder figured out centuries before Europe yeah it's, and the um, compass it's about redressing the balance isn't it it's about because there is inherent in our um, cultural so, um, learning it has been this kind of very egotistical self-centred the evidence we are that the best you know even in the name Great Britain it's part like, of the basis of the enlightenment uh, which is on like Descartes theories and Ethiopian philosopher was thinking of about a century before him mm. you know I mean I'm not trying to I'm not trying to bash our own country any more than it really deserves it's just kind of it, it, we, we do need to re- sort of redress the balance a bit, a bit don't we it's kind of we're, we're not we're not the be all and end all I think that's becoming apparent, but there seems to be a national nationalist fight back against that in a lot of different okay. countries, actually. Um, do you want me to continue... Well, do you want to start a new song before I begin on the colonial period? And do you want me to continue on the colonial period? I don't know. I definitely think part two is going to be a thing for this. Okay. Should we... Do you think... I mean, we've probably spent quite a bit of time um, establishing the format and everything this time that that won't necessarily be done every time but we might spend a bit longer on the news next time maybe I don't know because um, normally we we do at least sort of half an hour on the news don't we and then we get into the subject but I was really eager to get into it today okay. but um, I would like to I would like to do the rest of what you've well, researched in as much detail probably because it's it is interesting um, I'll just sort of see should I try and get up to 1800 in this? Do you think there's enough after that to fill an episode with? Yeah, because that's where a lot of the more interesting parts of colonialism and the modern period come in. 
Okay, right, okay. Well, in that case, do you want me to do another bit of music then before we sure. move into colonialism? Okay, so we'll uh, we'll just stop the dang dut, which I was very much enjoying. I might go and stick some of this on my uh, on my playlist. Um, so we're now moving into Keron Keron Kong. Now this originated in the Tugu village of Jakarta. Jakarta is the capital city, isn't it? Oh, the Tugu village of Jakarta. So is Jakarta just a city or is it an island? Uh, Jakarta is a city. City. So there was a Tugu village. Anyway, it relates. It's both a genre of music and um, an an instrument. So it's kind of named after the instrument. Is it possibly that it's like a village in the same way, like that you might call something a village in New York? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it's a similar instrument to a ukulele. Um, it's oh. inspired by, said to have been inspired by Portuguese music Fado, and is popular in Java. Usually played with the help of very a, relevant to the part we've just got to. Usually played with the help of a krongkrong, which is the instrument, a flute, a violin, a cello, and melody guitar. Um, apparently, during the early nineteenth century, it evolved into ballroom dance music, such as. Karongkong Cha-Cha, Karongkong Tango, and Karongkong Foxtrot for the middle class. And is now considered as one of the oldest Indonesian folk music. Apparently, this is sad, it's a dying form of music because it's pretty much ignored by the youth of the country. Um, but it's popularly practised in Jakarta and Java. I shall shove this on. We can have a bit of a lesson. Oh. That's sort of tropical. I feel like this could be on like a travel video. <laughs> yeah. You can definitely hear the uh, Indian influence there. Mm. And the Arabic In- influence. Yeah. Oh, wow. The video that goes along with that is really nice. Yeah, I'd, I want to go to Java now. Oh, it's a beautiful place. Yeah, it looks like it. I mean, uh, the tropical areas in particular are very nice um, naturally because it's just home to a lot of biodiversity. Yeah. Um. I'm going to do that so I can stop it when it comes to the... Can I do that so that we can see? I'm just resizing windows. Okay. So I can see it and stop it when it comes to an end. Cool. Right, so I'll just turn that down a bit so that we can concentrate on colonialism. Right, so I did say how um, they just sort of had soft power in terms of um, setting up like trading kingdoms. Um, at this point, once Maja Pahit starts to sort of peter out of its golden age um, the Muslim and non-Muslim parts begin to just go to war um, yeah um, sorry is this before colonialism arrived or is this just at the point is this I mean see the thing with Indonesia is a difficult thing talking about its history is you've got sort of parallel histories going on was it at this point that we're talking about now, when was it you said that it was kind of um, 
labelled as a single country? Uh, Is that later on or earlier? It begins to sort of take shape as that when the Dutch start putting it all together. Right, so at this point it's kind of individual islands and... Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, but it's sort of parallel histories between Sumatra, Java, and now Europe. Right. Uh, as that's becoming increasingly influential. So, um, Port- Portugal didn't really stay that long. Um, it-, it was the first one to sort of march out. Portugal's that one of those places, it's a really quite a small country for the amount of influence that they exerted. That was going to be our next episode if we weren't doing a part two. Portugal. Right. Okay. Um, Sorry, I've ruined the reveal. Then no, that's all right, but we can we can do that as. Uh, um, yeah. So the Muslim one. rulers begin to militantly impose Islam on um, southern Sumatra and western Java. Right. Uh, which creates a very unstable situation, which might be what sort of allowed Europeans to capitalize on that. I'm not sure. Yeah, but this is where I start to th- like. Sniffer uh, spanner in the works because you sort of there is that whole divide and conquer thing, and you think, how much how much of this just happened naturally, and how much was somebody destabil deliberately destabilizing so that they can then come in and mop things up, if you like. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. Uh, do you want me to stop that? Yeah, you can stop that. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, the, the Portuguese doesn't actually trade that much with Indonesia, uh, but Britain and the Netherlands start to get interested at the end of the 16th century, and by 1602, the Dutch East India Company forms. I've heard of them. Yeah, th- these guys are fucking nasty people. Um, Did they have anything to do with South Africa? Uh, no, I wouldn't think so. East India. Uh, refers specifically to the East Indies. Yeah, right, okay. Uh, but the Dutch did have mm. stuff to do uh, with that. And like I said, it's all about monopolizing here. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this is kind of how they started to gain influence and start their empire off. Who the Dutch? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that doesn't really kick start in terms of territory until the nineteenth century. Now, industrialization. Um, am I either going to? I'm going to mention Pate. Is he? He's is he technically Dutch? I know he's from the Netherlands, isn't he? Uh, As opposed to Holland. Yeah, it's Dutch. Of, yeah, I get them mixed up. Holland and the Netherlands. Well, it, it's colloquially <laughs> referred to as Holland, but... Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sorry, Paint. It's uh, one of the regions of Netherlands. Anyway, this isn't about the Netherlands. It no, kind of is. it's not. I'm um, just apologising if the Dutch get at all offended, but you're just as bad as we were, so... <laughs> they set up headquarters in Batavia, which changes its name to Jakarta later. And becomes the capital. Yeah. So it's all linked to trade. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then they start setting up trading posts, factories, which are kind of just trading posts um, in Spice Islands. Mm. Um, but yeah, they sort of had the unity. And um, I mean, it says here superior military force, which I am taking from Britannica here. Um, also very 
it, it's sort of got a different power structure going on here that allowed it to sort of make rulers do what they wanted them to do, which is essentially give them favourable trade deals. Right. Wonder if there's any modern parallels. <laughs> I wonder. Um, so they take Malacca from the Portuguese in 1641 <clears throat> and begin to sort of edge the British out of the East Indies um, over the uh, When did we get there? <laughs> Around about the same time as the Dutch. We oh, right. started yeah, yeah. our own East India Company. Yeah, sorry, I just read that a bit higher at the end of the 16th century. You, you probably just said that and I just... No, I, I don't think I said it, but... That Britain went over over there round about the same time as the Netherlands did. I think we started expeditions and stuff. our own version of that a couple of years later. Yeah. Um, but they sort of... I mean, we had everything going on at the time, I think, as well. <laughs> but... Um, right, so Sultan Agung, uh, which sort of suggests that it's becoming increasingly Muslim if they're calling them sultans... Is that is that a Muslim thing, sultans? I think so, like sultanates. Yeah, the the one that I've only really heard of is the Sultan of Brunei. So um, he begins to fight the Dutch East India Company. Is that related to sultanas at all? I, I don't think so. <laughs> well, it's um, interesting. He's in central Java uh, in the kingdom of Mataram. So he begins to sort of extend his influence over Java and um, begins to fight these guys. Mm. Um, so they withdraw from one another, um, but they're sort of like, okay, you're not someone to be trifled with here. Let's be careful around fighting one another because it could be quite bad for both of us. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, there's a bunch of wars of succession uh, in which the Dutch sort of take advantage of basically doing things for certain kings and just keep gradually gaining territory over time. Yeah. Mm. Uh, they take advantage of like family strife and stuff like this. Right. This is beginning to make sense now of what you were saying about them kind of establishing what becomes known as Indonesia because they're, they're kind of grabbing territory, aren't they, in in the area? I haven't gotten to the worst part yet. Okay, carry on. <laughs> um, so the, eventually that kingdom of Mataram, by 1755, is a couple of principalities, which actually survived until uh, relatively close to the end of Dutch rule, I think. Do we know when that was? Uh, when was what? The end of Dutch rule. Around about the 40s. 1940s? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, over the 17th century, start gaining footholds in Sumatra as well. Uh, like I say, interfering in local politics in favour of certain people. Yeah. Keep just slowly gaining territory, slowly gaining trade. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of sort of infiltrated their power structures. As you do. Um, 
I mean, it, it does seem it does all seem very kind of similar to the sorts of things that you see going on in in corporate world um, realms now. It was a mega corporation. Yeah. I mean, it, it worked in favour of the Dutch government, but it it was a mega corporation. Mm. Anyway, um, do you reckon I should continue, or should I stop here? Because this is where sort of turn of the nineteenth century things start getting a lot more interesting. Why don't we leave it on a cliffhanger? Oh, there is uh, quite a bit more stuff round here, down here, um, before the nineteenth century, actually. All right, you've just got it in the wrong order. (laughs) Well, various bits of history that are. Relevant to each other. Yeah. Mm. So basically, this whole East India Company thing. It seems to be a lot about spices. Yeah, basically, it just takes raw resources from the East Indies, sells them in Europe, and doesn't really give any benefit to the actual places it's taking from. That sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Not mentioning any names. No, I wouldn't Primark. be um, <laughs> that surprised if a lot of Dutch people don't know that much about the history of this. In the same way that we probably don't know a lot about just how bad the stuff we did in Africa. No, I mean, India is. Let's face it, even though uh, even though things are probably improving, there's, there's still a long way to go. That, that We get stuff that's labelled fair trade now. Um, but a lot of people don't bother to actually go out of their way to buy that stuff as opposed to stuff that's cheaper. But it's like fair trade. I, I mean, in the way that you can get a fair trade for backbreaking labour. Well, that's the whole point, though, of the fair trade market. It's a, it's a proprietary trademark that they actually go and check these places out and make sure that they are getting a fair deal at the other end, the workers and and all of that. So it, you, you that's can't relative that. to other conditions, though. Yeah, yeah. But, you but, can argue but even that, that as exploiting I say, them it, it, but even that, as I say, a lot of people will just go for the cheaper one rather yeah. than get the the one that's marginally better for the workers. So at some point in the 18th century, uh, the East India Company uh, begins to sort of fall apart under smuggling. And at the same time, um, the French Revolution was and Napoleon's going on in Europe. Yeah. Uh, so Netherlands gets taken over. Uh, <laughs> it actually falls and... Um, 1795, it gets renamed the Batavian Republic. In what 1799. What? what? What gets renamed the Batavian Republic? The Dutch East India uh, Company's holdings in Indonesia. Right. Okay. Uh, because it's centered around Batavia, their headquarters. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, where the, is where is Batavia? Well, it's Jakarta now. It's on right. Java. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, and 1799, Dutch government terminates the Dutch East India Company. So this is when, like, a corporation, not even the Dutch government, was doing all the bad shit. Now that the Dutch government's gonna begin to get officially involved once they um get so, rid of Napoleon, just, just things get a lot just worse. Just to clarify, the Dutch government that terminate the Dutch East India Company are actually. 
I mean, technically they're still the Dutch government, but they um, are now basically in, in the same way that we were um, that 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 England was um, conquered by the Normans. Essentially, it's the French that have taken over. Um, yeah, I guess Napoleon basically takes over it. Yeah, yeah, and um, it goes through a couple of renamings to the Commonwealth of Batavia and then the Kingdom of Holland. Right, and then Napoleon's general uh, Herman William Daendels becomes Governor General. Anyway, we're not. We, this is just the Dutch background, isn't it? We're we're talking about Indonesia, but we st- we still haven't got to the point where it's actually been formed. No, that comes <laughs> quite late. Yeah, yeah. Um, as we'll find, probably a lot of um, previous colonial holdings that. Kind of the only reason that the, these disparate groups have been thrown well, together is to. I've got a feeling that I don't know. We'll, we'll maybe see this. We'll maybe see a pattern emerging because this is, on the surface of it, you'd think this is a geographical, cultural kind of thing. A cultural, yes, but it's as much historical as anything, isn't it? And it'd be interesting to see what kind of pattern emerges as to the countries that we look at when they actually emerged, when they kind of became the country that they are. And like you said, if 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 at any time during our our podcast new countries form or disappear, it'll be really interesting. I think to get rid of that notion that that a nation is a permanent kind of fixture is probably a good thing. Mm. I've enjoyed this <laughs> so far. Okay, uh, are you wanting to do a part two then? I think we should, yeah. Okay. Because otherwise, we're going to be here, we are going to be here for like four or five hours. Otherwise, well, I'm speeding up a bit, but um, but is that sacrificing content for quality or quality yeah for content? Uh, the reason that I want to stop here is um, this is where the discussion gets quite interesting, right? Um, okay. 19th century and particularly early 20th century there's some interesting moves um right by the dutch government but also by indonesian government and there'll be sort of a contrast i think of um what the indonesian nationalists did and like does that outweigh what the dutch colonialists did and as with all of all of these podcasts in this series, we should remind everyone that we are coming at this from the perspective of what are we? Um, privileged white Europeans. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> I mean, privileged in some ways, definitely. Yeah. Um, so if we disrespect you in any way, it's not intentional. Please do feel free to get in touch and put yeah. us right. Um, please, please, please be kind to us. We're we're trying to to do our best to do you justice, but uh, yeah, no, it's I've I th- I've got a good feeling about this. Right. So, how do we finish off an episode? Oh, we we're gonna we were gonna we were gonna do the national anthem. Well, should we do the national anthem at the end of both? Of them? What, at the end of part two? 
Or at the end of both episodes? At the end of both episodes. Okay. So... So uh, we got up to Kong Kong here. You did have a few more pieces that we'll probably get into yeah. in the next episode. Yeah, I've got another couple of um, musical styles and uh, yeah. And then we'll look at what's number one in the charts. Just as an aside, <laughs> as sort of an administrative note, um, this will be going out, although oh, this yeah. will show up on the Breaking Bollocks I'm gonna feed put it out as this a sp- episode. It'll be a special bonus episode on the Breaking Bollocks feed just yeah. to promote it. Um, For those that don't have the, if you've already uh, uh, like subscribed to the bollocks report feed, it will be going on that. Um, that is going to be renamed. Yeah, it, it'll just be like oh, the old bollocks report episodes. I think there were nine, maybe ten of them. Um, will still be there in the past, including that long one. <laughs> but um, but that feed is going to be renamed as Breaking Borders. Okay. Um, right. Well, do you want to have the news story about the anthem, or do you want to do that next time? Yeah, we can do. Yeah. Um, there's a a conflict. There's a there's a an argument raging. Um, and this was the end of December, um, 2020. So this is contemporary stuff. Indonesians are not happy because apparently Malaysia have parodied their national anthem, and this is quite this is quite. Um, Ooh. I think that might be more interesting to do at the end of the next episode. Yeah, because we'll, um, we'll maybe do that. Yeah, because it'd be more up to date, wouldn't it? It's um, it'd be more well, there's a little bit well. of um, a rivalry there. Yeah, I can see that from reading this. Indonesia, Malaysia. Yeah, yeah. Um, which we we'll save that then. Um, Sicano, I think it was the modern founder, gets very annoyed at them. <laughs> but anyway, it's quite it is quite a quite a nasty piss take. But we'll get into the details of that. All right. Um, so well, here, here is the actual Indonesian anthem, and we will do our local version after birth. After that, called cool um, Indonesia. So before we put the national anthem on, should we say goodbye um, and say thank you for joining us on part one of Indonesia? And we will we'll see you for a bit of after birth after the national anthem. All right. Um, oh yeah. Is this is this our outro? Th- yeah, we're doing our outro now. When I say after birth, for anyone who's joining us with Breaking Borders for the first time, that's just what we call the bit that comes after the ending when we go even more unprofessional than we already are. And you can't be asked to edit it. Yeah, that's the one. Anyhow. So we'll see you in part two. Yeah. Yes, here is the... See if we can remember. Sunday? No, I can't remember. I have been. You have been. (laughs) I'll I'll look it up. We're going to try and say goodbye in um, in Indonesian. Probably fail miserably, but um, yes. <sighs> Stella. So, are we ready? That's more complicated than before. Saya telah menjadi firebolt. Dan saya telah menjadi pengorbit. And this has been... Part one. Of uh, Indonesia. Breaking Borders, part... Yeah, episode one, part... I'm not sure what I should fill out on the map now. (laughs) Now, Maybe just the bits that are already... United under the Dutch. 
don't know. Would that work? It wouldn't, would it really? Well, we can just use the same map for. Okay. Anyway, yes, here's here's the um, Indonesian national anthem, and here it is. Play, play it then. We'll have to shut out out of respect. Well, there we go then. Mm. That's Indonesia. Well, it's not quite Indonesia yet, is it? It's Indonesia up to around about 1800, because um, that's when the shit starts to get interesting, because it's not a mega corporation anymore, it's the Dutch government. <laughs> <laughs> Fascinating. So what do you think of our first Breaking Borders half episode then? Class <laughs> <laughs> <Quite> fuck. <laughs> What? It was a bit of a clusterfuck. What do you think? I thought it was really good. Yeah, it was good. It was a uh, clusterfuck. What How do you say clusterfuck in Indonesian? Oh, for fuck's sake, he's going to look it up. <laughs> you, can't, you can't spell cluster. Oh, there was something. It's Malay, but um, clusterfuck's one word. Yeah, but it, it's Malay, but um, vagina in Malay's um, Faraj. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe you should make it two separate words, and it'll come up as yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking. It was cluster apan. So apan in Indonesian is fuck. Sorry, um, Indonesia. Well, how is cluster gugus and cluster fuck is cluster apan? Oh, this comes up. Cluster with... apan means what cluster? Maybe there's no no Indonesian What's translation fuck? for cluster fuck. Brain sec. <laughs> so, um, maybe. Oh, hang on. The, the tra- translations of 
Verb. Best, best set to boo means fuck, copulate, bugger, screw, shag, or sleep with. Mangankuk means fuck, screw, copulate, and bugger. We're going to finish off every episode with looking up swear words in the language of the country that we've just done. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe um, That's going to be really difficult. Maybe this is because there are 700 languages. Mm. <laughs> anyway, I think we should stop. 700 I really words for fuck. <laughs> yeah, but they say we have a lot of words for rain. Mm. I'm going to stop recording now because I'm desperate for a piss. Okay, um, we might show the map at this point on the YouTube. I'm not sure. Well, it's probably been on since the, since the flag. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, we're not that interesting to look at, are we? Oh, okay. <laughs> this podcast is part of the After Dark Podcast Network. <laughs>